Well, we are getting to uh, finally wrap this up, hopefully this morning. Um, We've done three weeks now on um, looking at at the whole area of Jesus' law, what that means for us. And it won't be a subject that we uh, will never revisit again, I think, because it is so unbelievably central. It's it's everything. And all the other things that we kind of look at and study and grow in... um, uh, they all come back to this, this sort of centrality just of, of Jesus and who he is, the simplicity of that. Um, but we're going to, I will try and, because every week I've, I've, I've sort of done a little bit of extra and think we'll get there next week, so I'm determined <laughs> to try and uh, to, to really finish it up so that, that um, yeah, so that we've just got things, I think, to just mull in our hearts. You know, what is God continuing to say to us? How does it apply to where we personally sit right at this time um, and the season that we're in and what God is doing in our lives and, and responding to him so that we can just walk in greater and greater freedom um, and experience of, of who he is and in that relationship. So we've started out this whole kind of journey with um, the story in Matthew where Jesus comes and says to the disciples, you know, who do you say that I am? And the moment of a kind of declaration from Peter when he says, um, you are the Christ, you are the Lord, um, and everything that is, there's just so much as we've kind of looked at for weeks now in, in that claim. And it takes us right back to this passage in Deuteronomy that we've sort of gradually been looking through um, because what we see wrapped up in this kind of these few verses in Deuteronomy is what kingdom life is really about, the simplicity of kingdom life. And, and it, in a sense, it's, it's simple. It opens up into lots of areas, lots of things for us to grow and lots of things for us to understand as he walks us through it. But but these are the bits that are so key. And I think sometimes, you know, we have kind of moved from the simplicity of just our, our relationship with Jesus and who he is into the mechanics of faith uh, rather than just the, just the pure relationship. And so going back to these verses in, in Deuteronomy, we've sort of looked really over the last few weeks from, from just from verse, verse 3 to 5 um, where... In that statement of recognising Jesus as Lord, Peter is recognising um, right back to this, this point at which Moses is standing with the children of Israel and he says, give me your attention, listen to what I'm about to say. The Lord our God is one. Jesus is Lord, Peter says, the Lord our God is one. It's this whole picture coming together across the centuries the same declaration, the same God, no different. And he's saying from verse 3 onwards, I'm the one, I am this God, I'm the one who is committed to you. I'm re-establishing you in this life of abundance, in a place of um, beauty, in a place of strength. I'm establishing a place that is bountiful, that is sound and solid, that we don't have to live on shaky foundations and things that we're, you know, that are just not clear. He's making it sound. And that was his intention. He says, I've never changed in this declaration 
right from the beginning when I started it all, I've never changed from that intention or what I've set my mind to do, why Jesus needed to come and make, in order to make that possible, none of that has ever changed. That's always been the intention of my heart. And in verse 4, I'm the Lord over all of this, in the midst of all of the other gods and all the other things that, that clamour for our attention um, and our focus and our time. Wherever the places are where, in a sense, we feel pulled, he's saying, I want to take all of those things. And it's, it's like, if you like, you know, it's almost a bit like us standing and we can live with the clamour. We're, we're positioned here and there's all these things that want our attention and our focus and our claim. And they're like, oh, oh. you know, where, where do I put my heart? And the way God wants to do it is it, it's like we just position ourselves here and he's there and his, his arms, his kingdom are like this. And everything comes under that. And we just position ourselves under that one place where he is Lord over all things, submitting to him in all things, him bringing everything back in to that picture of what he originally intended, allowing him to care, to lead, to guide, to challenge where we need it, to set our feet on right and strong and stable paths when we need it. And that's just that simple place of obedience. That's all we need is that response, that continual response under his kingdom. And we looked at the fact that we need to be people of heart. The heart is such an important place. And we didn't even, to be honest, guys, we could spend probably weeks and even months on that as a subject alone simply because it's really clear that he says, you know, that's, that's where everything starts. It affects everything. We're told, you know, to let him guard it and protect it because out of it springs the entirety of our life. We often think things are happening from out there inwards or because so-and-so is behaving like that towards me, therefore my life looks like this. But actually the reality is it's all birthed in our hearts and the the things that we've experienced, the journeys that we've been on, the, the, um, the lies that we're still believing, the beliefs that we labour under, all of those things start in this place of the heart, which is why it's so key. And he, he just longs um, through all sorts of ways, means he speaks to us on our own, he speaks to us through our friends. We can get involved with something like freedom in Christ where we just give him our time and say, Lord Jesus, what are the things of the heart that you want to attend to during this time? And I think, guys, for, for many of us, that's more important than we've probably ever imagined. And, you know, in doing that journey, that's the place we will, where we will experience greater freedom. It's not in the doing more. It's not in, you know, joining more parts of the church or, or you know, getting involved in certain areas of ministry those things will come as an expression of, um, but he wants to attend to where kingdom life begins and ends and, and, and exists, and that's in the place of the heart. And we looked at trust, because that is just without trust, without us trusting him, without us being able to put ourselves into his hands. And in order to do that, we have to know, don't we, that he's trustworthy, 
Um, you know, we can stand and say, well, listen, the Bible tells you, so you've got to just do it. And, you know, often, I don't know about you, but I've found many times in my life that just didn't really work. <laughs> Somebody else telling me that, even the Bible saying that in my head, I knew that the Bible is true, therefore, dot, 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 it must mean that I will live in the reality of this. But actually, that wasn't, you know, I, I could hear the words but there were still things like that rich young ruler that, that we talked about where I was holding on tightly and didn't know if I let them go that my father would be there to capture, to, to hold them for me. I didn't know. And one of the verses that I love the most, guys, and for any of you sitting in a place where there are things in your heart and you're just not sure if you can let go of them because of what may happen, I love this verse, and this is one that for some of you is really key this morning, where he says in Psalm 34, 8, Open your mouth, taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are those who run to them. In other versions it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's like, you know, have a go. <laughs> he's, he's inviting it. He's not, it's not this kind of just head thing where he says, I'm telling you I'm trustworthy, therefore just trust me, saying, guys, you know, come and test me, you know, in a sense, try me in this. You know, see that actually what I'm offering you, have a taste of it. You know, most of us don't know if something tastes good unless we've tasted it. It's pretty straightforward, right? <laughs> you can imagine it might. If it's covered in chocolate, you think chances are that's pretty awesome. You know, but if somebody's put a healthy dose of chili in there like people are given to doing these days, why? Um, it doesn't taste like the chocolate you were expecting, does it? But there's that sense where God is inviting us you know, he's calling us, you know, jump more into this journey, into the, in a sense, the faith risk and see that I'm going to be good in this. See that I will bring breakthrough. See when you need to stand. You know, I remember a time when um, we were thinking about uh, taking the boys when they were younger away on one of our um, uh, discipleship uh, outreach trips to, to Asia and at that time, I was working part-time in what was St. Aidan's at the time. And so I was probably, I don't know what I was earning at the time. I was just part-time, maybe 800 pounds or something a month. And so we, in order to go away, we were going to need to homeschool the boys. And I was just stuck in this place. I couldn't, I couldn't make a decision because it's like, I don't know, how do I, how do, if I give up work to do this thing, how do I see you know, this money covered, this 800 pounds, there is absolutely nowhere that I can even begin to perceive or imagine that this could come from if I don't do that job. And we were actually away on an, um, some of you will remember um, Soul in the City a number of years ago. They did big um, practical outreaches with young people all over the country and we took a group of kids. Our boys were still younger at that point. Um, so we were in Liverpool and it started out with gathering everybody together for some worship and some teaching. And I remember kind of wrestling this out during the worship and uh, felt like God say to me, you know, you have not because you ask not. And it's like, well, you, can't, you know what I'm needing. You know that I need this. If I'm going to give up work, you know that I need this. And he just said, you have not because you ask not. So in that worship time, I just said, Father, okay. I'm asking for your provision, 
to let go of this job, to step into this next season, will you provide what I need? The next day, very next day, I get a phone call from Richard uh, saying, hey, really exciting news, a businessman that we had known in South Africa who had never financially given to us before, had, had rung him the night before saying, God's really put me on your heart. Um, I've got a few thousand pounds that I'm feeling like I should pass on to you guys. Don't know what you need it for, but it's on its way. And it was enough for me at that time to step back from that work. But, you know, I had to, in a sense, taste and see. And it's like the trust in that moment built like a reserve, if you like, or a bank of I now know God provides financially. You know, and so last year when we were doing the Queen's 90th birthday, you know, for me that was just a little bit scary. Just, I had never done anything quite of that size or of that financial. Um, so, you know, the budget was around about 12000 for that. But being able to step into that, did I do it with slight nervousness and those same feelings that I had back then when it was £800? Yes, same thing of, oh, okay, am I going to be able to see God? Is he going to come through for me? But because I've had that experience with him, I know that he does. I know that he's a father who provides. And so we step out into the more. And I remember talking to the guy who, at this outreach that we were at, there were about 4,000 young people there. And I saw him the night before, and we had worked with him in YWAM years before, um, and so I hadn't seen him for years. I was like, oh, Phil, this is amazing what you've pulled off. And he's like, yeah, just to let you know, if you can be praying for tonight, because by the time we start tomorrow, we still need to see £400,000 come in. It was a million-pound project, and they were still waiting on £400,000. And I was like, Phil, how on earth do you do that? <laughs> you know, like a million-pound budget. And he said, well, Miriam, it started 25 years ago when we needed to see £1,000 a month for us as a family. And then it moved on to needing to see £20,000 for us as a YWAM team every month. And it just grows. So the thing is, I don't think we ever reach what God's wanting to do is just to extend us more and more into a kingdom where we just see that, that it just it's the same stuff, guys, whether we're trusting him for the five or we're trusting him for the 50,000. It's the same thing. It's about deep trust in a father who wants to take care of us and provide and release. In a sense, the environments just get bigger. And that's where it's amazing. You then hear stories from the States, from Bethel Church, where their city is cutting funds and they can't provide. And so they're having to lay off, I don't know what it was, something like five or ten policemen. So as a group, they were like, this is not okay. We need our city to be safe. So they took up an offering and raised enough money to pay the salaries of those guys for the coming year so that the city would have all it needed um, in order to live the way you know, to live safely. And, and I think that's what God is, he's wanting for us guys as a family, isn't he? That we do these, these little bits and we keep growing in them. So even if we think we're doing pretty well, and that's amazing that we've journeyed to where we have, he just says, now there's a little bit more and there's a little bit more scope and expanse and space that I want to do this with you so that you can open this up and carry and hold this for many more people as well to step into it. And that's, that's what he's doing with us. So will we take him at his word? And his word is, as we said last week, the Lord, he's our shepherd. 
He is this all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing Father who leads us as a shepherd one day at a time with everything that we need in the moment. The other thing I just wanted to, to briefly touch on as well, though, in relation to trust that we didn't get to last week and just these things of the heart is that because many of us will have lived and I stand absolutely with my hands held up here to say many of us will also have done these things to others and so I stand in an absolute place of owning that journey as well whereby when we don't live with Jesus as Lord in this way when we've not loved God as we've been talking about with our whole heart and therefore wanting to, to see the things he loves come to pass. There are two things that always happen. And we need to, in a sense, not shy away from this, to take responsibility, not heaviness, not condemnation, because he doesn't do that with us. But there is a sense of responsibility, of facing things and the choices we make and the way we live. Because these two things always happen when we choose to not live with Jesus Lord. One is that something dies and the second is that we empower the enemy against us. We give him a foothold in some area. And I know lots of us will have experienced this, guys, as, as have I, that trust dies, you know, when we don't treat other people as they need to be treated. Trust dies. Love can die. We sit with broken expectations, maybe through church life even, and through other Christians that we've tried to journey with, and we end up with broken expectations because they've not done and been the ways that God would have wanted them to. They've not lived in that place of Jesus being Lord in those things, in those moments. And so something dies within our relationship and we give the enemy a wee foothold or we empower him to, in a sense, have space to move in to those areas. We've been let down or we might have laboured or lived under harsh and angry words. We may have even experienced hands physically being raised against us. And the thing is, the Father wants to attend to be people of the heart and to have hearts that are free to love him and to love others with the extravagance and generosity that he longs for. He wants to heal those things and, and allow our hearts to not be limited by them. One of the stories I love the most, and I'm sure lots of you will as well, is in Mark 5, where there's this lady, the lady with the issue of blood, so she's been bleeding for 12 years. Um, and in that culture, if you, as a woman, if you bleed for longer than your normal period cycle, you were seen as you were unclean. And so she'd lived with this for this 12 years with doctors taking her money. So she'd really been taken, you know, abused in a sense on every level. People in the town knew who she was, knew how long she'd been living with this condition. They really didn't need to take her money in order to see if they could, you know, make this right. They knew 
that it that it couldn't it wasn't something that had been able to be healed and yet they still continued to take her money this was a woman who lived under tremendous rejection and isolation and abuse from those around her and she's been hearing about what Jesus is doing and he's on his way to um, heal somebody else and in the press of the crowd she comes up behind him and thinks if I can just touch the garment um, of, of what he's wearing I know I can be made whole so that's what she does and you know the major thing about that was you know in the Old Testament um, if you were unclean like that and went into the tabernacle if you went into the place where God was you would die the impurity, that that was the outcome of that. So this was a massive act of faith on her part to to reach out and touch the one that at that stage we you know, you have to believe that she must have known was certainly the from God if she didn't already believe that he was God himself. You know, that this was majorly risky for her. She could die. Um, it, it was utter, utter just no go area in terms of what she was doing. So she touches him and she immediately feels in her body, she knows she's been healed. (laughs) Just awesome. But verse 32 says this, Jesus asks a question, you know, who's touched me? And the disciples say, lots of people are touching you, you're in a crowd, you know, what's, you know, it's not rocket science. But Jesus, it says in verse 32, he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him and gave him the whole story. Jesus said to her, daughter, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed. You know, and I really believe, you know, in that situation, Jesus could have, I'm sure, he he knew when somebody had touched him or touched him in that sense that there was faith in her heart to be healed. And he could have just kept on walking knowing she had been healed. He didn't have to draw attention to her. He didn't have to make a, a bigger issue out of it in, in terms of the exposure, exposure she must have already felt on some level. And yet Jesus doesn't. He stops And I want to suggest one of the things that I love about this is that there was a sense she kneels before him and gave him the whole story. And then it says she was healed. Jesus says to her, you're now, you're healed and whole. You know, guys, for some of us, there is a place where it really matters that our story gets heard. You know, our father is not somebody who, in a sense, he longs to heal and, and we have those physical healings and we have those moments of healing but sometimes our healing journey comes in our story being heard in the sense that, that the story matters and it is part of that healing journey. Psalm 56 verse 8, he says this, um, <clears throat> You keep track of all my sorrows, each tear you collect, each ache is written in your book. And to do that journey of the heart, guys, some of us need to find those places and spaces to receive prayer, yes, but also to hear and have our stories heard. 
for another person to sit in front of us with the Father and say, what has happened really matters. This is not about going over old ground or unforgiveness or churning things up and not letting go of the past. That there is, there is sometimes only freedom comes in that moment where our story gets heard and it's seen for what it is and the Father through another person or maybe between you and him on his own says, that absolutely matters to me. That was not okay that those things happened. And in those spaces we see kind of parts of the healing process of the heart as well. And yeah, I just encourage you guys, if you know there are things, if there are things that tug on your heart, if there are places where you know there isn't that freedom, or you think about journeys of the past and you find yourself experiencing that same depth of emotion that you did even though it might have happened 30 years ago, you know, there's a place in that where the Father wants to come alongside and hear your story and say that really matters in order that... Um, your heart can be further freed up from those things. So will we take him at his word and will we give these things over into his care and let our stories be heard so that they no longer bind our hearts in limitation? Just some things to, to think on and pray around. Okay, so to conclude the uh, in, in Deuteronomy, the verse 6 to 9, Moses says this, Write these commandments that I've given you um, today on your hearts. Or it says that the kind of fullness of that is upon, above or over. You know, write these things all over your heart. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your home and on your city gates. You know, he's being fairly um, insistent about this and he doesn't really leave any space or place uncovered. Okay, so there are three things that I can see in this that Moses is really wanting to get across to the children of Israel and I think it's the, it's the same for us. If this is kingdom, if Peter recognises that this whole passage is this is kingdom life, then this is what we also need to pay attention to. How do we live this out? It's whole life. It's everything. It's all of we are. It's intentional and it's today. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses is, is kind of outlining all the stuff for the children of Israel, in that one book he says, uses the word today or this day 59 times. You know, he was being fairly clear. He goes back and talks about their journey over many years. He looks forward to the future, but he uses this word today over and over again, that the journey is in the today. It's not waiting for the tomorrow. It's not being stuck either in the past, but it's how we journey with him in the moment, in the day by day that matters. It's about everything and being intentional. Um, he lists things, you know, right on your wrists, on your forehead, on your door frames, on the gates. Basically, everywhere you go, you are not going to get away from seeing this. And the two things where he mentions the forehead and the wrist, they really mattered. At that time, in that area, the, the peoples of that time around the children of Israel had an ancient practice that they would impress on their forehead some distinctive mark 
of the deity to which they were following. So foreheads were significant to be seen by others as this is who I belong to. You know, this is who I'm seeking to follow. On their wrists, they would wear cylinders. Um, it was like a, it had markings on it, and it was a bit like the, the, what people would have used in more recent times, a seal. On this thing was the distinctive markings of who they were, and they would roll that in clay, and that would go out on documents and on things, so people knew who they, you know, who they were or who it had come from. So what Moses is saying here, what Peter understood, what God is calling each one of us to live in is a sense of, you know, be the message. This is your whole identity. Wear it here so that people can see it. Be known for it. Um, everything that you are, bind it here so that you, in a sense, you don't lose sense of it. You don't lose track of it. Others will see it in you. But it wasn't this sort of just this thing that you spoke about to other people. It was what you had become. It was who you were in every way. And that goes for how, you know, how we do our lives right throughout the week, how we do our lives together as we gather as family as well. And if I can really just quickly say a little bit of a, in a sense, this is not, not just a, a plug for one, one part of the, the church, you know, or the, when we gather together. But one of the things that I think has really struck me, and you may not agree with this, so I just submit this for your thinking. I love the fact here that Moses says, tell it to your children. And he says that a lot in, in, in the books where you read his stories. Tell it to your children and your grandchildren. Um, when the disciples at one point, some people bring their kids to Jesus for him to bless them, and the disciples, it says, they're actually really indignant. They, they see this as beneath Jesus, dealing with the kids, you know. And so they try and shuffle them away. But Jesus gets, he gets upset with them. He's like, not on your life. You know, bring them back. He says, because this is what the kingdom is about. And when you read that passage, um, he's not just using it as an opportunity to say that we need to be like little children. What he's doing here is he's affirming this passage back in Deuteronomy where he says, this is kingdom life. Telling it to our children, starting from scratch and across the board, this is actually what kingdom is about. And, you know, I've, I've loved over the years reading stories, um, you know, of, of people who have doing amazing things, people like Jackie Pullinger who, you know, went to the walled city um, and spent her life just seeing people coming broken, you know, out of life um, of, of drug addiction and uh, living in gangs. And another guy that some of you will have read about, um, David Wilkinson, who... Uh, Run, run Baby Run, Nikki Cruz went and worked with the gangs in New York, I want to say, I think it is. And um, But two things strike me, guys, about these people. Jackie Pullinger was that she had just actually graduated. She was a classical oboist. Um, she hadn't trained, you know, to, to work with people in that situation. Her whole background was musical and classical training. David Wilkinson was a preacher in a very small town in rural America, um, not at all used to the lifestyle of gangs or drugs or, or uh, New York as a city. 
What these guys had in common, and we can probably think of hundreds of others, is that their hearts were open to shape a generation. Their hearts were open to do kingdom life. They didn't say, I'm not a kid's worker. I'm not a, I'm not a youth worker. I'm not called to work with youth. And guys, I think sometimes we can, yes, there will be people who are, are amazing with children. And it's, they, they, they'll be, you know, they will be the people that will love working with children on every level. There will be people to work with the youth like that in the same way. There will be people who, who feel that way drawn to working with the refugees that come into the city and so on. But I think what, what Jesus is constantly saying to us is he's inviting us to do kingdom life. And I really want to encourage each of you because what we long for in this family here is every person from the time they come in through the door from being babies to being young people to being sitting in these seats here, we long for them to experience kingdom life. And each one of you carries a little part of that. So I'm not saying that every person sitting here will be a children's worker or become one of the youth workers or work in specific areas. What I'm saying is, is there a willingness in our hearts to bring what we have with the love of the Father and give it away? And so we've never wanted to do rotors or have specific roles in that way, not because there aren't things here that need doing. There's always stuff that needs doing. What we're longing for is to see how do we do kingdom life? How do I, I'm not a kids worker at all, but how do I take the, the, the journey I've had, the things God has you know, shown me, and occasionally just step out into another room on a Sunday morning and give some of that away and each one of you has got a journey like that and whether it's for the children or the young people or for the people sitting next to you or amongst your neighbours, you know, how do we see? So I want to encourage us to be a family that is known for where our, our kids and our young people are first and foremost on our life because like Jesus was saying, he wasn't just saying this is, you know, be, be like a child in order to receive the kingdom. He was saying these guys, all of this is central to my kingdom. This is kingdom life. This is where it starts. This is where it happens. And we have yet again run out of time. But if I can just finish on this. He, God, um, Moses goes on to outline the Ten Commandments. And so what he's essentially saying is, remember all these things. Don't forget what you've seen. How do we follow God? How do we live in this place of kingdom, obeying his commandments? Um, Because that's what he said kingdom life is. And all it is is simply when you read around, if you go away and read Deuteronomy chapter 3, 4, 5, you'll see it all in there. And it's summed up in these things. Don't forget what you've seen. Don't forget that God is so intimate with us, always ready to listen, and that his ways of living are fair and good. That's the kingdom he's given and called us to live under. Keep him as Lord over all. Keep everything under his claim. Don't forget the commitment he's made to you. Listen for his voice. Let him lead. And then you can read all the different commandments. Jesus sums it up again. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. He condenses it to those two statements which cover everything that you read in this place of Deuteronomy. But it's, So it's intentional but not driven. 
It's our whole yes, but it's not striving. That's how he calls us to live it out. It's not from duty, from a place, but from a place of loving all the things that he loves and just positioning ourselves to see his kingdom come. Matthew 11, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Guys, that's what Jesus being Lord looks like. That's what the kingdom looks like. What an amazing God. People have so got the wrong end of the stick so often, haven't they? He's a God who just says, he calls us into that place and says, guys, who do you say I am? Who are you going to allow me to be? Let me be God over all of these things. Let me be the God of the impossibilities. Step into those in an increasing way. Love me, simple obedience. Trust me with your whole being. Walk with free hearts. Love those around you expansively, bringing life to them. And do it all today. And from there we would go back to the beginning and see the rest of that story where Jesus then goes on to say, Peter, and now I'm going to show you who you really are. Understand all of that. Understand all of that journey back from Deuteronomy. Live under this. Live under me in this way and everything I've got from you. And then I'm going to show you who I've called you to be. And then it says this, you know, then we're going to, then we will be a gathering so expansive with energy. That's the church, my friend. We weren't called together on a Sunday. We were called together to be an expansive group of people with real energy. And then it says this, with complete and free access to his kingdom, which is Jesus as Lord, us loving him, and keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth. That's what he's called each one of us into. I don't know about you guys, but as I've looked at this over the last few weeks in a new, you know, new way for me, I've just been increasingly excited, relieved, rested, um, unburdened, amazed. At that's what the kingdom is. That's what he wants us to do as a family together, to live in the fullness of that. And then when we gather that none of us need ever leave without his kingdom having been released amongst us. And that's each one of us, each one of you, bringing, living your life out that way 24-7 and then bringing that together as we gather so that his kingdom, as it's reflected in our lives, just gets reflected amongst us as a body and nobody goes away without their needs met, be it physical, practical, emotional, re-energized, ready for the things that God has in front of us 24-7, seven days a week.